and so everybody's looking forward to getting out there and, and, uh, and eating, and so I'm not going to keep us too long. Um, as I mentioned, every Sunday, only two hours. Sure, only two hours. And so, um, so it won't keep us too long. I'm serious this time. Um, but um, Dave, thank you so much for a great communion, brother. Thank you so much for focusing our hearts on communion and, and on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I meant to uh, come up here and and uh, and and really represent the Caribbean by saying by saying enough respect from the island of Jamaica and, uh, and uh, welcome to the uh, International Churches of Christ and, and uh, welcome to the Greater Huntsville Church in in Huntsville, but I didn't do that. So. <laughs> um, but welcome to. You know, our break bread, and this is my rendition of my Caribbean accent, and uh, my Jamaican accent, and so I will not preach in Jamaican today, I will represent the United States of America, uh, my American accent this morning, so I will change over and go back to a way that everybody can understand me as well. So, um, but, um, yes, so we are, it's, it's Bring Your Neighbor Day this morning, and, um, and we are talking about neighboring. And so, uh, we are, we're starting this series on, called Next Door, The Arts of Neighboring. And, um, you know, the big idea of this series is, you know, we often hear the command, love your neighbor as yourself, don't we, right? And, uh, but what does that mean exactly? It's easy to love the people closest to us, at least most of the time, or at least we should love the people closest to us. And I'm sure you have some people in your life that may be a little bit difficult to love, Amen. I mean, a lot of us have one or two people in our life that is that have that pose some kind of a challenge to love, but we should love them regardless. Amen. But how well do we show love to people we come in contact with at the grocery store, mm -hmm. right? How well, how 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 much do we show love to people on maybe the highway, you know, driving in the fast lane or cutting us off or different things like that? How much love do we show to people? on social media who are posting things that may rattle our cage, right? right. How, how do we treat those who are different from us, who deliberately wrong us or seek to harm us? So sure, we'll talk about those literally next door to us, but that isn't the extent of it. You know, Jesus gave many examples of how to, how to show love to others through his teachings, healings, and interactions with the men and women he met during his earthly ministry. In this four-week series, we're going to look at his example as we ask the question, who is my name? Amen. In this series, I want to talk about practicals. But to be honest with you, I'm a little bit more concerned about hearts. We're going to look at practicals, but I'm more concerned about our hearts, being compassionate, being merciful with people. 
So to get our hearts in a tender place toward our neighbor, today we're going to start by looking at Jesus' compassion. Amen. Let's go to God and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just a fantastic day, a great day, God, starting with great worship. Father, great weather outside, great people to fellowship with, Father. Amen. Your sons, your daughters, our neighbors, our friends, our family members. God, I pray that before we get together in fellowship and, and be together, Father, outside uh, with, with each other eating, God, that we will focus our hearts on your word. That we will come to understand how we can be compassionate merciful with each other, but those who are, who are outside of these doors as well. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your compassion with us that we can look to share that compassion with each, with each other and with others as well. Father, thank you so much for this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit will move this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so this is week one, and we're going to look at compassion, Jesus' compassion. We can learn how to love our neighbor by looking to Jesus for our example. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. I want to say that, look, the, the, the font on the screen might be a little bit small. It looks big on my computer, but we all have our Bibles. Amen. So, um, if we could turn to Mark 12, 28. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your hearts, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then, no one dared ask him any more questions. Don't you just love how this scribe, who was, who was also a Pharisee, approaches Jesus with this challenge? I mean, what nerve he has, right? You know, they, they had determined that the Jews were obligated to obey 613 precepts in the law, which amounted to 365 negative precepts and 248 positive ones. 
right? 613 they, they were supposed to obey, right? And so, so one of their favorite things to do was to sit around and discuss all of these, and, or, or most of them, in fact, and, and figure out which one were the greatest. That's what they would sit around and do. Which one was of these divine commandments was the greatest? And so each had their opinions. And as it should be a lesson to us, Jesus quoted scripture in his answer. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, the Shema. From the first word, it means hear. You know, it's the greatest, it's the great confession of faith, which even today, many Jews recite each morning and evening. Right? The Shema. And when he goes on, he goes on to even quote Leviticus, Leviticus 19.18 as well, which emphasizes love for one another's neighbor. And so Jesus made love the most important thing in life. The most important thing in life is love, according to Jesus. And they would cover the first and second commandments, the most important. And so, how important is love for us? Wow. Is it that important to us to love? We don't live by rules, but by relationships. Our lives revolve around relationships. It revolves around our neighbors. It revolves around the people around us. We cannot do without relationships. We wake up, we interact with people. We go out, we interact with people. We're at the grocery store to buy your food. Guess what? You interact with people. You put fuel in your car. You're interacting with people. Yeah. Everything we do, we interact with people. Our lives revolve around relationships. You go to work. You're interacting with people. School. You're interacting with people. Teens, you went to camp. You're interacting with people. Our lives revolve around people. Relationships and a loving relationship with God should enable us to have a loving relationship with others. And so, how is your relationship with God? And thus, how is your relationship with people? You know, it's interesting to know that when, when he started the conversation, the scribe was merely the tool of these Pharisees who were trying to get evidence against Jesus. And he must have thought, man, these guys are lame. Watch me as I approach Jesus. I'm, I'm about to stump him. But after he heard our Lord's answer, he had nothing to really say. But that avoid. That avoid Jesus. 
Good job. And so see, see the, the word, the word incarnate in Jesus, the word incarnate had spoken to his heart. And he was beginning to get a deeper spiritual understanding of the faith he thought he understood. And so Jesus says to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. See how powerful the word of God is. In other words, he was facing the truth honestly. And not interested in defending himself. Not interested in going back to his buddies and defending himself. He was facing the truth honestly. But rather... You know, it's, it's a testing. It was a testing of his faith by what the Word of God says, not by what some religious group demands. That's what the Word of God does when it seeps into your heart. Amen. How awesome when we allow the Word to speak. And that's what we need to bring into our neighborhoods. Come on. Jesus, the Word of God. And so, before I move on, I want to go ahead and take a look at a few people who practice neighboring quite well. <laughs> These may be the kindest neighbors you have ever seen. Let's kick it off with a literal fall patrol. Meet Officer Oliver and his mini police pups. They patrolled their Kansas neighborhood. When he was younger, he got this police uniform as a gift from his mom. Not too long after, the Leewood Police Department made it official with his very own ID badge. At just five years old, he's an experienced cop, helping to make his neighborhood a safer place with his canine unit by his side. Hey, come on, man. Grab now to this heart-stopping video from an officer's body cam. Alongside the cop, a neighbor storming into a home to warn a sleeping family their house was on fire. Without thinking twice, they put concerns about their own safety aside to save five sleeping children. Now to this woman, who was caught on ring doorbell cam trying to alert her neighbors to their burning home. When Carolyn Pallish saw smoke outside her window early one morning, she checked on the Salgados, a family of six living next door. Nicole Salgado says she's glad Carolyn was so persistent in trying to wake them. We were all asleep. We didn't hear anything. We didn't smell anything. She made sure that we got out of the house. And they did just in time. Firefighters told us that if it would have been five more minutes and that group would have came down with us in the house, we would have inhaled all that smoke and we wouldn't have woken up. I've been a nurse for 40 years and you hope that you've always done good for everyone. But to actually see the result and to see them alive and well and their children are here, can't ask for nothing better. Marcy Zavala and her four sleeping children and her husband, Henry, were saved by this neighbor. Her ring cam recorded the drama unfolding as a fire approached at 2 a.m. Inside Edition was there as Marcy thanked Paul Peterson for the first time. All my kids are under the age of six, and to have our lives in danger is crazy. And I just thank God that he gave us enough time to get out of here. Get up, get up. 
Florida man Billy Bass ran to his neighbor's home gasping for air after he choked on a piece of steak while having dinner home alone. I had to think quick and I couldn't speak. So my instinct was to go to my neighbor's. I was dying. Like I only had about 30 seconds left. I went to the door like this with this open uh, signal and she did the highlight on and knew exactly what to do and reacted you know, perfectly. I looked at him when I opened the door. I knew something was wrong, and I knew that I had to do something quickly. Karen Aranda knew exactly what to do. She has been CPR certified for 20 years, but never had to use it until Billy showed up on her doorstep. I told him, check with me first before you eat. Uh, make sure that I'm home. <laughs> so nothing will happen to now to this way a call with the messenger bringing good news. Oh. Professor Bob Wilson and his wife showed up on the doorstep of Paul Milgram's California home to tell him he just won one of the most prestigious prizes. You won the Nobel Prize. And so they're trying to reach you, but they cannot. They don't seem to have a number for you. We gave them your cell phone number. Paul Milgram's phone had been on Do Not Disturb, so he could get a good night's sleep. But Paul's wife, who was in Sweden at the time, watched the whole thing unfold after her nest cam notified her phone. Professor Wilson has reason to celebrate, too. He won alongside Paul for their work in economic science and auction theory. From 2017, the neighborhood hotspot in Minnesota is Keith Davidson's backyard. I think when we stood there here, it's a blast. The World War II vet and former county judge built the pool as a way to lift his spirits after losing his wife of 66 years to cancer. He has a nightstand, and she's got a watch on it that's still sitting there, and I can't move it. I just can't. Those lonely months of silence were replaced with the sounds of laughter from neighborhood children. That's my own story about good neighbors. So when I first started my career in reporting, I lived in Massachusetts. And I looked above a man named George. Now George was a veteran and he lived alone and he was a granddad. And he also snored a lot, so hard that it sounded like he was in the apartment with me. But when I spoke to him about it, he was very gracious and said, Hey, I recognize you. I see you on the news. Well, what he did next, I could not believe. He actually offered to change his sleeping schedule so that he would be asleep while I was away at work. And then when I returned home, I would be able to rest and he would be up all night. What also happened, well, when the heavy snow was in the forecast, I would ask him, Hey, do you need anything from the market? I would pick it up. And he, if he was outside first, would clear the snow off of my car so that I could just get out and go. That was remarkable, remarkable to me. George moved out about a year later. I don't know where he went. I don't even know his last name, but wherever he is, I hope he's doing well. That just goes to show there is nothing like kindness and some good neighbors. For Inside Edition Digital, I'm Stephanie Officer. Like, just different things like that, but do you know your neighbors? 
Do you know the person next door? Do you know the, the neighbors that surround you, right? The, the one next door to your right, to your left, in front of you, behind you, that you can run to and say, I need help, right? They look out their window. They see smoke coming from your house, right? And they can, they can go and they can help you. Do you know your neighbors? Who are they, right? Sometimes we, we see people and, and they're, they're, they're looking over to your house and we see them out the window and we're like, oh, they're so nosy. No, they're good neighbors. <laughs> they're good neighbors. Leave them alone. Or go outside and meet them. They're good neighbors. They're not nosy. They're looking out for you. Right? You sh you're the one with the issue. You should be going out there and meeting them. Right? You know, I mean, you don't need to grow up in church to know the saying, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. There you go. Or love your neighbor as yourself. These are universal concepts that are recognized even by those who do not believe in God. Right? They're universal concepts. I don't know if everyone in this in the video believes in God. I, I have no idea. Well, they're certainly doing a good job. They're doing a great job. But what exactly did Jesus mean when he said to love your neighbors? And how does, this, how does his charge to his followers apply to us as believers and disciples today? When we look at the life of Jesus through the lens of the Gospels, we are given a pattern to follow. And so, so I, I, can, I can love my neighbor by showing care and compassion for, for those who are sick, for those who are disabled, even in my immediate community. I bet you in my immediate community, those, there's some people who are sick. There's some people who are disabled. There's some people who can't come out of their house. The ones who I don't see walking the neighborhoods. I wonder why not. And so my first point is that compassion brings sight. You know, one of the ways Jesus showed love for his neighbor was through his compassion. Through his compassion for those with, with lifelong illnesses and disabilities. A common belief amongst the Jews during the time of Jesus' ministry was that anyone who was born crippled or maimed was under God's wrath. That was a common belief. And so we see, we see this in, in, this, in, in uh, the disciples' questions about whether it was the father or, or the son who had sinned to cause the misery of the blind man, right? That we see in John 9. And if you could turn your Bibles there. Yeah. You know, people born with disabilities were often cast aside yeah. and forced to live on the charity of others. They were just pushed aside. You know, some people who have disabilities even today can feel cast aside. That's right. Even today, they can feel that way. 
And it may not be this being cast aside physically, but it's ignored. Yeah. Is that they're ignored. They're cast aside emotionally, in their hearts. They are not paid attention to. And can you imagine how that hurts? They can feel rejected or insulted. Are they not our neighbor? Are they not our neighbor? Because we can get stuck in our mind and say, okay, well, it's only those that I just talked about that are surrounding our house. But then the ones who may be disabled, oh, those ones are not our neighbors. And so we start to pick and choose who we want to be our neighbor. But what about them? Are they not our neighbor? Well, according to Jesus, our Savior, they are our neighbor. Let's look at his example. What does he do? What does Jesus do in John 9? As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Can you imagine the question? And in verse 3, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, something amazing is about to happen in this man. Watch out. So in other words, don't look down on this man because something beautiful is about to happen in him. See, us, we can walk around and we can look at people like that and say something is wrong with him. But Jesus looks at it and says something beautiful is going to happen with him. That you can't see it because of how you look at things. Because of your paradigm. Verse 4 says, as long as it is today, as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. So this has to happen now. There's some urgency in this. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the, with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. And so what we see here is that instead of, of giving the man a coin, right, which people were, which some people were just walking by and doing, instead of, instead of giving the man a coin as he passed and then just moving on like most people were doing, right, or some people were doing, Jesus stopped 
and gave this blind man his full attention. He stopped. What are we doing? Are we stopping? Do we stop as we go along in our day and we see someone disabled? We come across someone disabled. Do we stop and give our full attention? Or is it an inconvenience for us? Because they are so different. See, it depends on our paradigm. How do we see them? Do we see someone beautiful? Do we see an opportunity where God is about to move? When Jesus healed the blind man, he didn't just restore his sight. Guess what he did? He restored his dignity. He restored his purpose. There's not one of us in here that does not value our dignity. Not one of us. Jesus restored dignity. He restored purpose. And as disciples of Jesus, that is our calling. To restore people's dignity. What a lesson on how to treat those around us with disabilities. How much do we think of their dignity? We don't get to choose our neighbors. Because Jesus saw the man and showed him compassion, the man's spiritual eyes were opened. His eyes were opened. The end result was that the man not only praised God, but he also testified boldly about what God had done for him through Jesus, if you read the end of the story. Even daring to speak out against the religious leaders who had previously condemned him to a life of physical and spiritual darkness. They go on and they go on about, and they try to condemn him. It's almost like they want to ridicule him. And in verse 30, he says, it says, the man answered, now that is remarkable. Look at the wording this this ex-blind man uses. He says, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, talking about Jesus. Yet he opened my eyes. (laughs) We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Come on. He starts preaching the word. He's like, back up off me, I can see. What what a thing he did for this man. While we will sometimes just walk by. We're supposed to be, when Jesus made, when Jesus called men to be disciples, he said, look, look, you are out there fishing. Why are you out there fishing? Because you didn't make the cut, but you're out there fishing 
And I'm going to call you to be my disciples to change the world. So don't, so don't think that we are allowed to pick and choose neighbors. We need to change the world and call people to be different. Yes. All of them. And so Jesus also heals. Compassion heals. And so as Jesus' ministry grew, so did the demands on his attention. I mean, don't you think sometimes it's hard to find the time for people? I'm just being honest. These are some of the struggles that we go through, right? It's sometimes hard to find the time for people. But we have no excuse when we consider how busy Jesus was. Early in, the, in his ministry, Jesus visited Capernaum. And so many people crowded into the house where he was staying, that no one could get through the door. But that didn't stop four friends. That didn't stop four friends who were determined to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. It's like some of those neighbors we watched in the video. It didn't stop them. In fact, they tore a hole in the roof to get their friend inside. I bet there were some repercussions. <laughs> right? Instead of rebuking the friends, though, for interrupting his teaching, or demanding that they pay for the damages they caused to the home, Jesus, what does it Jesus do? Jesus recognized their faith. And their love for their friend, their love for perhaps their neighbor, and in his compassion, Jesus recognized that the man didn't just need physical healing, he needed spiritual healing. And so what I'm getting at is that the physical healing will indeed lead to spiritual healing. So as we look to people who may be disabled, whether they're blind or, or physically disabled, whatever the disability is, we've got to pray that it leads to a spiritual healing as well. Amen. Why? Because they are our neighbor. You have people in your neighborhood that are physically disabled, but they need to be spiritually healed as well. Amen. Yeah. In all our neighborhoods. But do you know who they are? Maybe not. Maybe not. And do we care? And so Jesus blessed the man with both. Much to the surprise of the teachers of the law who were with him. You see, we may not be able to give sight to the blind. We may not be able to cause a paralyzed person to walk again. But we can show God's love to our neighbors by recognizing that people 
who are born with disabilities are just as precious to God and deserving of our friendship and our care as anyone else. If we hear of someone who is ill, we can show neighborly love by arranging meals to be delivered to their home. Can you imagine your neighbor down the street opening their door and getting a meal from you? How excited they would be. If we hear of someone who can't manage to do certain things for themselves at home because they may be a single mom, a widow, elderly. You volunteer your help as their neighbor. Maybe cut their lawn. Neighborly love can be shown by going on a walk with an elder in your community who has no family anymore. That happened, I think it happened here. In, it, was, it, was, it happened here in Huntsville, I think, and it was on the news. It made news. Like, really? Like, I mean, it's a cool thing, it's a great thing, but it had to make news because it's so uncommon. Yeah. That they had to put it on the news that a little girl went on a walk with her elderly neighbor. That's how uncommon it is. It can also be shown by coming together to lift the spirits. This was another news, news story. Lift the spirits of a child fighting terminal illness. One community showed their love during the beginning of, the, of, of COVID-19 by forming a welcome home parade for an 11-year-old girl who had just completed her last cancer treatment. They lined up their cars on the street while she was coming home. Right? But it's just, are we, as disciples, what kind of neighbors are we? As Christians, what kind of neighbors are we? Like we watch videos like that and we cheer and we say, yeah, it's awesome. But as Christians, what kind of neighbors are we? When Jesus was asked what the greatest command was, loving our neighbor came second only to loving God. Second. Remember I said there were 600 and something, right? came second. How are we doing? Loving our neighbors, whoever they are, shows that God's love is in us. 1 John 4, I don't have a slide for it, but 1 John 4, I'll just go ahead and read that real quick. 1 John 4, we're wrapping up here. Starting verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves 
has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sends his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So awesome. Loving our neighbors shows that God's love is in us. Jesus was able to love others well because of how much he loved his heavenly Father. You know, every action, every word, and every touch was rooted in his deep relationship with God. Our compassion and our love for people will be reflected, will be a reflection of our love for God. And so, you know, God is looking for people who are willing to participate in acts of love and kindness to those outside of their present circle. And so the easiest thing for us to do is look for those in our very, in our very near circle. And he's looking for people who believe that a humble demonstration, a humble demonstration of love plants a seed of eternity in the hearts of others that will blossom into faith in Christ. That's what we want. We want that these demonstrations of love will blossom into discipleship. And so when we love God with every fiber, fiber of our being, our new inclination is to show the same measure of love toward others that he has shown us. Amen. And so I want to just give us just a couple practicals here. I already did with some, but you know, the same, the, the message of the gospel must be spoken and shown to the watching world. Not just spoken. We can't just speak the message of the gospel. It has to be shown. And we have to demonstrate the gospel in what we do as well as what we say. And what we say, because what we say is not enough to be convincing. Alright? And so, we got to have a target. Because if we aim for everything, we're not going to hit anything. Okay? And so, are we neighbors of everyone? Yes. But what happens is that is that, you know, the, the big idea of being neighbors to everyone causes us to not have a tar one specific target, right? And so, yes, we're neighbors of everyone, but I want us to have a specific target. 
And so if we narrow down that focus on our neighbors, our next door neighbors, in our neighborhoods, surrounding our homes, I think that would be beneficial for us. Amen. I'm not saying ignore everybody else. I'm just saying let's have a target. And let's focus on our neighborhoods, those around us in our neighborhoods, and pour our hearts out in our neighborhoods, pour our energy into our neighborhoods. Who are the people surrounding your house? Do you know them? Start by learning their names. Do you know their names? Can you call them by their first names even? And so apply Jesus' teaching about the Good Samaritan, right? And all his teachings on compassion to your neighbors next door. And right there in your immediate neighborhood, front, back, right, left, four houses let's start with, right? Do you know them? And in addition to those next door, after that, then expand outwards. Expand outwards into the neighborhood and, and go where the people are. Some of you got, have pool, um, clubhouses in your neighborhood. Go where the people are. And when we're there, please hear me on this. And when we go where the people are in your neighborhood, don't just practice the art of neighboring. Practice the art of lingering. Because sometimes we go there, and we're there for five minutes, we say what's up, and we're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Have a good day. How about Practice the art of labor and get to know your neighbors. And we're going to learn some more examples from the Gospels next week. But I pray this will get us started with the art of neighboring and getting to know our neighbors. Let's eat. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, JD. Um, yeah, I can. I'm a new homeowner, so all my neighbors, I don't know, I don't know any, but uh, 